We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China. And back to the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, and I am Bruce Buffer, your host. TJ DeSantis, my co-host, is not available this week. He is traveling for work. And, of course, I am traveling also. Therefore, we have a really special show, an archive show. You don't need to understand how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES. To feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. With a friend of the show that we've had on before, named Tommy Chong. You all know Cheech and Chong. I'm sure you all know of Tommy Chong. The man is very funny. The man is very knowledgeable. And it's a pleasure having him on the show. So let's play this archive show of me talking with Tommy Chong, with T.J. DeSantis. Enjoy the entertainment. Enjoy it today. And we'll be back next week with a very special guest on It's Time Radio. Have a great week, folks. And enjoy, because here is Tommy Chong. We are about to bring on somebody that I am very, very excited to have on. Somebody I've been a fan for uh, about for a long, long time since I was a kid. I hope I'm not aging him too much. Uh, you all know the group Cheech and Chong, and we're about to bring on the man himself, Tommy Chong, 50% and a big half of this group. Tommy, are you there? I'm here, man. How are you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great, Tommy. Doing great. Now, of course, I saw you this morning because i got to share with everybody that uh, not only are you a, a, a musician, a comic, not only do you play the best hippie I've ever seen anywhere from that 70s show to Dharma and Greg to all your past movies, but I've seen pictures of you in the old days when you were working out and you know, you're know you all super buffed and everything else. But I'm in there busting my butt every morning with our trainer, Danny, and you're yeah. in there too. Yeah, you're working out every day. Yeah, my son Paris got me involved in Danny. 
Well, it's the best. It's the best uh, training uh, uh, exercises, and it's the best training uh, pr- program I've ever been on. Yeah, and you look like you really enjoy yourself, and it's a it's a big kick training with you too. And Paris, he's in there. And Paris, your son's a surfer, and uh, you know, adept at many sports. I wanted to let everybody know, you know, we all know you from the Cheech and Chong group and, and the, the humor, the stoner humor, all this stuff is fantastic. But one thing I don't know if a lot of people out there that are fans of Cheech and Chong really know about your musical abilities. I mean, you basically back in the early 60s, you were playing guitar in Canada, you know, with a soul group named The Shades, um, yeah. all the way on to uh, where you became Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's. Am I correct in that? That's correct, yeah. And then we, we got discovered by Motown. In fact, I was a black man for many years, many years. <laughs> You still have a little of the black man in you, Tommy? Oh, you know it. You can't leave. I got so black, I ended up marrying a white woman. That's how black I got. Hey, listen, that's, uh, well, I don't want to say that's every black man's dream, but I'm sure it's happened with more than one. <laughs> but uh, also to this, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you, you go ahead, man. Okay, but uh, you know you've had hit songs. You had a song "Does Your Mama Know About Me," which hit 29 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, you've also got a band with uh, your partner, uh, Cheech Marin, and just this weekend you were performing in front of about 20,000 people here in California, weren't you? Yeah, we did the smokeout out at uh, San Manuel, I think it is. Uh, yeah, it was great up near San Bernardino. Oh, that's uh, incredible! It was fantastic. Well, you know they've legalized. Uh, uh, the dispensaries, you know, the pot dispensaries, and so that means that we can we can go back to having our concerts that we used to have, all the smokeouts, you know. So it was the first one in in two years, so it was great. Oh, that'd be fantastic! I want to go to one of those one time. I've actually been in the uh, same room with marijuana a few thousand times in my life, but I've never inhaled, Tommy. So I you never I gotta inhaled. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotta make gotta make sure we know that. <laughs> and you grew up in uh, Malibu. Yeah, I grew up in Malibu. I'm a surfer yeah. since I was 15. But uh, and you're a surfer. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh no! You've never inhaled. Oh, I, you can tell that. I can just yeah. tell by your background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can put two and two together, and we'll just politely leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, back in um, I'm going to ask you a number of questions, of course. But in 2003, and you know what, where I'm about to go here. Uh, you know, you were targeted by the American Investigations Code. They had this Operation Pipe Dreams and Operation Headhunter, and you know, they were seeking out businesses selling the drug paraphernalia, mostly the bongs. And it was uh, basically run from a Pittsburgh U.S. attorney, this woman, Mary Beth Buchanan. I'm sorry if I'm bringing up any old painful oh, things. Oh, no, no. I love, I love Mary Beth. I, you know, I'm an old hippie. You know, we love, we love our enemies. <laughs> of course. You love everybody, right? Yeah, we do. Now, you were charged for financing and promoting the, the Chong Glass, the Nice Dreams, the company started by your son, Paris, which was just a legitimate company started. Um, I saw a special on this, and I felt that they were targeting you. But now, here we are. You're, you spent a couple years in jail, and I hope that went well for you. Was that a tough go for the, for the time you were there? Uh, I, I, spent, I spent nine months in, 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 uh, incarcerated. I spent uh, a year of probation after that. Oh, okay. It it took three years out of my life, but uh, it was worth it. You know, I mean, I could have beat the I could have beat the rap. I could have beat the charge because uh, uh, I never did anything illegal. None of us did. Uh, Right. What happened? The uh, U.S. attorney and with the DEA, they set up a a bogus uh, head shop in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh. In fact, it was, I uh, forget it's where Joel Namath is from, Beaver Falls. Beaver Falls, Beaver. right. Yeah. And, uh, and they tried unsuccessfully to uh, have our company ship bongs to them, 
and we wouldn't do it because uh, we, they were on a list where we we knew that we couldn't uh, ship to uh, Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania because of their their uh, uh, you know laws. It's a federal law that that uh, most states ignore, just like what they're doing now, you know, with the med- medical marijuana places. So, um, so what they had to do, they had to entrap us, and that's what they did. You know, they um, sent agents to uh, Los Angeles. They, they they put an agent inside my company or my son's company, and uh, they managed to uh, get the bong shipped to them, which violated that uh, U.S., you know, the federal law. And then they came after me, and, and, and I had nothing really, legally, nothing to do with the company. I was just a spokesman. Right. And, and so what they did, they really, and the charge was, they threatened me. They said if I didn't, give, if I didn't plead guilty, they would go after my son and my, and my wife. And they would make sure that they got jail time, you know. So I said, well, of course, you know, when you give me an offer I can't refuse, I took it. And, right. and, then, and then, they, um, uh, then they, you know, they also said that I wouldn't get any jail time. I'd do probation. No one's ever gone to jail for, for bongs yet, you know, in this country. And they lied about that, too. And so when it came time to sentencing, you know, the, the judge made me, literally made me perjure myself. Because when I entered a guilty plea, they, they ran through all these charges. You know, they, they said, now you are the, own, the sole owner of the glass company. And, and I said, no, I'm not. And then they stopped the proceedings, and then they said, uh, okay, uh, they talked to my lawyer. And then, and then they said, uh, yes, we've agreed that Mr. Chong will say that he is the sole owner of the, of the glass company. And, you know, they, they actually literally made me perjure myself, uh, in, in, you know, in front of a federal court, in front of a federal wow. judge, in order to get the conviction, in order to send me to jail, in order to send a message to the people. What and, a, and, a hypocrite. Go ahead, Tommy. all that, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was, like, it was like being in a movie. It was like being in a, in a movie. In fact, when I went to jail, I felt like I was on location in the same movie. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, when you think about it, there's a catch-22 there and a, and a hypocritical yeah. one at that because here they make you perjure yourself, and yeah. when you perjure yourself on the stand, you're supposed to go to jail for perjuring yourself. Yeah. So at least, at least yeah. you didn't get any time for perjury. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, it really what it did is they perjured themselves by, by making me lie, you know, and, and, and my lawyer and the judge and, and the prosecution, they're, they're all in cahoots with this lie. And see, and that's what's been going on with the with the drug war, is that the the defense lawyers are also capitalizing on this, you know, and that's why it, you know it's it stayed uh, in limbo and illegal for all these years because everybody makes everybody makes out except the uh, the poor uh, pothead, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the exactly. Only ones that suffer. But you know, you know now who's making out, and and it's kind of. Uh... It's kind of weird that it's doing this turn. Here we are, and here, just speaking personally, I live in um, I live at the beach here in Marina del Rey. Now, yeah. within a three quarter of a mile area is Washington Boulevard and Pacific Avenue, which run perpendicular to each other. Okay, yeah. uh, and there's excuse me, uh, Lincoln Boulevard and Pacific, and then there's Washington that connects the two. Now, just in that little area, within a three block area, in the last three months. 
three of these pharmaceutical dispensaries have opened up within three blocks of each other. Yep. Now, I heard that the average income that these dispensaries are doing is about $3 million per dispensary. It's becoming like McDonald's now. What oh, yeah. would happen – what would happen if the uh, – what you went through back then, which wasn't too long ago really when you get down to it, with Obama signing that bill, with these dispensaries opening up left and right, you would have never had any problem today. If your business was flowing today the way it was back then, there wouldn't even be a question or would there? No, no, not at all, not at all. No, what happened, it was – it was uh, when they came after me at the time – see, right after – it was right after 9-11. And, right. and it was right – as they were invading, about to invade Iraq, and so this is my this is my uh, take on the thing, is that they wanted to do a, a, a preemptive strike on the hippies because they knew that once they would start going to war, that that there would be protests from from the from our side, you know, from the peace-loving hippies, and right. so uh, th- what they did, they they did a preemptive strike by taking out. You know the bong companies and uh, you know the pipe companies. I wasn't the only one. You know there was another guy who went to jail in Pittsburgh. You know he had a tobacco company, or, mm-hmm. or you know a smoke shop, and he sold glass pipes out of his shop, and they put him in jail for two years. Another guy went to jail for selling cigarette papers, you know Jeez. because they had a wire in them. That meant it, it was called drug paraphernalia. And so oh. what they did, they they did a preemptive strike on the hippies so that they would cripple. You know any kind of anti-war protests that that they thought was was coming, and that's why they came after us the way they did. That's that's very very interesting. You know to think about. Now I'm a big proponent of the fact that marijuana should be legalized in this country, uh, as well as prostitution. And I'll tell you why. Now this is not because I'm a practitioner of either. It has nothing to do with that. What it has no. to do with is the fact that we are starving for income in this country. We're basically broke. We, we're on the arm to so many people, including China and you name it. We're throwing gazillions of dollars overseas and in the Middle East and you know in Iraq and everything that we're all perfectly aware of. Marijuana taken out of the hands of the illegals that are you know the, the people that are selling it up to now. And putting it in control of the government, taxing it, keeping it under regulation, prostitution, take it off the streets like it is in Germany, put it in the houses. I'm not a practitioner of the play-for-pay routine, but there's obviously millions of people that are. And keeping it clean, taking disease off the streets and taxing it. These are ways for the government to actually bring in a hellacious amount of income. Do you have any idea what the taxes would be if, if they were taxing marijuana sales in this country, how much income that would be for the government at all, Tommy? It would be incredible. It would be yeah. incredible, and and the only problem, see, see, the, the reason they they don't do it is because they can't, and the reason I say they can't, you see, cigarettes, for instance, you, they have to be manufactured, and they have to be manufactured in, in like in a in a in a, in a uh, factory where they can uh, put the additives in there that make it make it addictive. You see, right? Uh, marijuana grows so easily in every climate in the world. That it would be virtually impossible to 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 uh, even count, just like the dispensaries. You know, it's it's impossible to stop them. It's impossible to to uh, to, to you know to to get a handle on it. But the way what they can do is just leave it alone, more or less decriminalize. Uh, you know, and so you're going to save money on prisons. You're going to save money on. Uh, you know, people losing their jobs, and, and you're going to you're going to save money on on what you don't have to give the DEA, and and 
And then the sales tax alone, because marijuana smokers are are notorious consumers. We right. consume uh, <laughs> like you just look at the Twinkies, you know, the <laughs> or or you know uh, potato chips or or any. We're we're consumers. We buy right. stuff we don't need, and right. we have money to buy it with. That's why the Southern California, you know, Northern California, they got a big problem up there. You know, they don't have any empty houses for rent up there. You talk about a housing problem everywhere else. Northern California, they got a rental, they got a housing shortage because people are renting houses and they're putting grow rooms in there to to grow marijuana and and, and making making keeping the economy alive. Because oh, you mean with the high with the hydroponic or whatever that term is that they the do? The hydroponics. hydroponics. Hydroponic, yeah. yeah. I mean that's yeah. happening all over the place. So, so here, here's what has to happen: they just have to de-schedule, uh, uh, reschedule pot. That's so simple, so simple. Right now, it's Schedule One, which means it has no medical value whatsoever, which is a lie. Reschedule it to Schedule Two. Put it in the same uh, category as Valium or, or those other drugs where you need a prescription. And I really sincerely believe that if, if you had it so that it was Schedule 2, that the, the, the decent people of the, of the country would, would definitely uh, uh, feel free to smoke it. There, there are cancer patients and there are, are all kinds of uh, people with illnesses that are afraid to, to, to go near marijuana, even though it would help them because it's illegal. You know, yeah, they, like I've talked to people with MS that would not smoke it because it's illegal. You know, and they don't want to go to jail on top of their disease. But people like uh, Montel Williams, who has MS, he, he's arrested the, the onslaught of the disease by smoking pot. Right. And so it, it, if you take away the uh, illegal, you know, sheen that's over it now, that would free up a lot of people to, to, to take, uh, you know, advantage of its medical uses. Now, as far well, as I... prostitution goes, there's another, it's the oldest profession in the world. Correct. There's nothing older. Nope. And and back in, in, in the time of Jesus and back in the time of the Romans and that, they, they, they had a, a system of prostitution. In fact, the, the churches <laughs> were the ones that, that provided uh, the, the prostitutes. I'm going to have to get somebody from the church on the show in a couple of weeks to discuss that point, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the high priests, that's where they were. That's you know, the, the other thing, too, it, Tommy, is that you know when you think about when you make something illegal, you give yeah. the wrong people the avenues to become rich. And the perfect yeah. example of that is prohibition with alcohol yeah. back then, and what that did. And then when when it came back, I know for a fact that every major cigarette company out there has already begun, or many many years ago, trademarked or copywritten the different uh, names for marijuana. You know, where it's Mary Jane or whatever the term is Aquabuka for the eventual. Yeah, all that stuff for the eventuality that when it does become legal, they're going to probably be one of the first ones to jump in on the bandwagon and take sure. advantage of all that they can do. And they're that's all, you know, they're all set up to do. And not only that, but look look at the hemp industry that 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 stupid law has stopped. I mean, we got a clothing. You know, hemp makes the best fabric in the world, better than cotton, better than all that. Uh, yeah, it was canvas. It was used as rope. And right up until DuPont decided, you know, that they'd rather sell their plastic ropes than, than the hemp products. Right. So, so the hemp 
product alone, the food value of hemp oil, the, the, the bird seeds. I mean, the bird lovers loved the bird seeds because it gave the, the birds a beautiful sheen on their, on their, on their coats. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a plant that should definitely be utilized to its max. Well, it's, it's on the way with the recent developments, and we'll see how the government treats it. I want to step back and, and off the subject of, uh, of God's Green for a second and just ask you a question. You're going back to your relationship with Cheech, and, with, uh, Cheech Marin. Yeah. Now, you guys split, if I'm correct, in 1985. But how long were you together before then, and the whole stoner humor of your act, was this the main flux of your act back then with the up and smoke movies and everything else or was this yeah, your main it became, drive it became that we we just uh, what we did we just gave the crowd uh, the people what they wanted you know when we first started we started in a strip club and we had an improvisational comedy uh, troupe and we used we we never did any i think we did maybe one pot joke maybe one but mostly sex drugs and rock and roll not drugs right. but just you know a lot of sex jokes and then Cheech and I moved down here to, to L.A. when we found out. We actually started a band first, <laughs> and, uh, and we were going to play music, but we had been doing comedy for like nine months, and so we were a little rusty with the music department. But we were good with the comedy, so we ended up uh, doing the comedy bit, and we never got around to playing. And so, in fact, we haven't gotten around to playing until we got back together this time. But which, we broke which... up because... Um, we had we had run out our string, and, right. you know. Everybody has like a. a, a you know, I'll tell you what. This our career, or life is like surfing. You know, you spend a lot of time paddling out, which is making it, trying to make it, and then when you make it, it's like a ride on a wave. It's it's exhilarating, but short. <laughs> you know what it's like. It's like, for instance, it's an Andy Warhol fifteen minutes. I always love that. Yeah. That uh, phrase, you know, where everybody searches for their 15 minutes of fame. The trick is, yeah. is to make it longer, is to make it extend past that point. Now, when you first started in the business <clears throat> and the money started rolling in and the fame started rolling in, the girls started knocking on the door more so than they probably already were, was fame and an adjustment uh, to fame a wild pleasure ride for you back in those days, in the wild days of the 80s and the 70s? Well, not really, because I was a musician. and. And when you're a musician, you're as only as famous as how good you are on the your, on your acts. And right. that was never that great, you know. And so, so you don't really get a big head unless you're a lead singer. And I wasn't a lead singer by no means. I got and you. So, now the, another thing too is that I never had problems with with uh, with, with the eagle. Uh, with what? With the eagle. <laughs> with the right, exactly. Yeah, you know, I that's your problem. What happens when you make it big and you get famous? You start believing your own press, you know, and then pretty soon, you know, you you uh, you think you're a lot better than what you really are. And I never had that problem, and and I, you know, for the most part, neither did Cheech. You know, what happened? We broke up when we uh, when we came to the end. Well, actually, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do doper movies anymore. He he came to a point where he says, okay, that's it. And we actually did a movie called. Uh, uh, Corsican Brothers, where we did, where there was no dope. Saw and then it. We did another movie <laughs> called Yellowbeard, which was again no, there was no smoke in it. You know, saw that too. And um, you know, going back to when you look at the comics of old and the great comics that uh, you know you guys experienced times with, in today's world, can you give me two of your favorite comics uh, that you enjoy watching right now? And I hope there are two. 
Oh, yeah, there's more than two. Uh, right now, my favorite is Louis C.K. He's, uh, he's a, a stand-up comedian from Boston. That To me, he, 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 he makes me laugh. Wanda Sipes is another one. I saw her special the other night, and she, she's taken over the mantle. She's taken the Eddie Murphy, uh, Chris Rock mantle, and sort of she's doing her woman thing. So right now, th- those are my two favorite, uh, yeah. Louis C.K. and Wanda Sipes. I saw Wanda Sykes, and you know she's now uh, coming out, or maybe she's come out before about her being lesbian and going all into that, and she was hilarious. I saw Lopez, George Lopez. I thought his special on HBO. I watched that three times. Was hilarious. I'm not big on the Latin humor, but you know what? He brought me in, and I couldn't stop laughing from beginning to end. Oh, Lopez is another another phenomenal uh, Latino (coughs) Latino guy that that makes me laugh. Always made me laugh. He always had some (coughs) really good funny bits. Well, there's a lot. You know, Richard Pryor was probably the best of the best. No question. No question. Studied, a lot of people. I studied under Richard. I, you know, the way you become a comedian, you just go and you get a favorite and you just learn everything they, they've ever done, you know. And, and I, I watched Richard for a week straight, so I got a lot of, a lot of his, uh, you know, I, I watched how he, he, he formed the show. He and worked. The show. Yeah, and worked. And Eddie Murphy will tell you the same thing. He followed Richard, too. Now, when I was younger... Um, back down to uh, my like 18, I used to go to the comedy store when it was in Westwood and in Hollywood where it still is today. And in those days, I would go and David Letterman was the host. It would be any given night. You'd have Robin Williams. You'd have an 18-year-old Jim Carrey. You'd have Andrew Dice Clay, guys who were sleeping on the couches at Mitchie Shore's house who owned the comedy store. I saw so much great comedy, and that was one of the greatest dates. I would take a girl to the comedy store, dinner, the whole bit, and, and it was practically a closing feature in itself for the pleasure at the end of the evening because everybody's in such a good mood. To me, there's nothing better than laughing and comedy. We have to we have to uh, break away, Tommy, into a break, and I really appreciate you coming on the show, but I have one more question for you if I may. I know, I know you're a fight fan, and you've seen the great days of boxing and Muhammad Ali and everything else. Are you appreciating the where we're at with uh, mixed martial arts and where the UFC has come today and the quality oh, of athletes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything has evolved. Oh, it's incredible. I loved it. I, you know, I, I, I met uh, Muhammad Ali. I hung with him for one, one afternoon. Did he inhale? What a Just great kidding! Guy. Don't answer oh, that. You know, <laughs> you know the funny, uh, the quick story. He, uh, I, met, I met a girl. I knew a girl that had a had a little fling with him, and then the next day I meet Muhammad Ali, and and we're in the elevator together going up to uh, to my ex wife's apartment, and I mentioned her name to him, and he 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 looked at me like how did. You? You know, it just happened. How did, man, how did you know that? <laughs> <It was funny. laughs> He's quite the character. I actually he met is. Muhammad Ali for the first time when I was four years old in Philadelphia, back when he was Cassius Clay. Oh, I walked wow. up to him. Yeah, he was a giant of a man. My brother and I, my dad, were at this hotel, and he was there. And uh, I, I'll never forget it. It's like when I met John Wayne when I was a kid at the premiere of True Grit in Dallas, Texas. I mean, these are icons, and I don't forget oh. it. But he was just a giant to me, and this was back before the whole government situation because he had his own you know, term with the government back then too. Tommy, I, I, I could talk to you for like an hour or more, yeah. I guarantee you, Let's but I've got to – Well, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it again. Do you have anything you want to share? Like where's your next show? Where are you going from here? We're going to be starting a new show in uh, January 8th. It's going to be called uh, Let's Get It Legal. So we're going to uh, concentrate on – on making Obama, you know, if we don't get illegal with Obama, we'll never do it. So we're going right. to really push hard on that one. 
and we're going to be all over America after January 8th. Right now, we're just cleaning up our last tour. But we're having fun, man. And it's really nice talking to you, bro. That's the name of the game. Always have fun and live life to the fullest. Tommy, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. I'll see you at the gym when I see you, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time with us today. My pleasure, my friend. Take care. All right, Tommy. Take care now. Be good. Well, that was Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Uh, that was a pleasure. I mean, Tommy, he definitely has got a lot to say. I found that extremely interesting, TJ. Yeah, it was very good. I, I didn't get a chance to uh, tell him my story, but uh, I'll tell all, all the listeners. Um, I started my radio bit at 15 at uh, a rock station in town here in Minneapolis, and uh, I started interning for the morning show. And uh, our morning show ran from 5.30 to 9.00. And uh, we were there one afternoon, or one morning, just uh, getting things done. And 10 o'clock rolled around. We were about uh, ready to leave, and, and Tommy Chong rolled into the studio. And I was like, wow, who's who's interviewing Tommy <laughs> Chong today? And the producer of the morning show said, well, we are next week. And uh, he checks into the front desk and says, yeah, I'm here for the 93X morning show, and that's us. He showed up a hour late, but a week early. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you. Maybe uh, that's, you know, what can you say? Uh, maybe that's the effect of uh, the green. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't answer that one, but I, I think that's pretty funny, definitely. <laughs> now, we're going to go into uh, the Buffer One Edit segment and do all our current events, and I want to talk some movie talk here. Um, should we take a little break right now? Yeah, a quick break, and then we'll come back to the 180, talk a little television, get some calls, all that wonderful stuff. All right, sounds good. For those of you that want to call in, please do, uh, 877-967. TJ, I got to tell you, I want to talk a little current events here. Um, I happen to come across a story. Of course, like a lot of men out there, uh, I'm single and in search of the perfect woman. Until then, I'll just deal with a lot of imperfection and perfection well, as that, it comes. That's my question. Are you in search for the single woman? Because, you know, you, you seem like a guy that's happy rolling solo. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really happy rolling solo. It's obviously, I've had a number of relationships in my life, you know, uh, long ones, short ones, and of course, you know I've I've uh, had my bon vivant, you know, fun life, and I still do. And I, and I'm always believe in being honest with every woman I'm with. We discussed that before on past shows. But to answer your question a little shorter, I am very happy with my lifestyle. I have the love of a very solid family unit. I've got uh, I always kid about my surrogate wife and my surrogate kids and all that because I have my godson and I have all this love in my life and I wake up happy, I go to bed happy, I deal with the problems of life. I have bad days like anybody else. I have to deal with realities, life, death, stress, taxes, uh work issues, the whole nine yards and the variety of companies I run, but I will tell you I'm a very happy man. So as you get older you get more particular. Uh but the thought of being with a wonderful woman who fulfills me as I can fulfill her and to have a solid 50-50 relationship and to enjoy these amazing adventures that I experience in my life with her would be something that I would definitely look forward to having happen. Now, if it doesn't happen, will I be unhappy? No, because I'm happy. So if that answers your question, I hope it does. It's just that I'm available, but it's not like I'm sitting here tearing up at night because right. I'm not married. You know, I can feel that. I, I've had an amazing life. And as a matter of fact, and I plan on having an amazing life for many, many years to come. I'm still a young man, but the the thing is, is that uh, it's funny when I when my married friends, my married guy friends, and even a lot of my married female friends, when they you know get to know me and they see the lifestyle that I lead, this is the very here's the here's the common line I hear. Do you realize how lucky you are, right? Because they they are actually jealous of my lifestyle because I do have that close family unit. I do yeah. have 
female interaction uh, on a very steady basis, and I and I do have the love of young children in my life, and it's just it's very fulfilling, and I'm not in danger of a divorce. I guess that's the big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not in danger of California having the judge take a big battle axe, right? Pull out pull out my uh, my bank accounts and go, okay, this is how it's going to work. Boom, right down the center. Wow. <laughs> So that that's that. If you ask me what scares me most about anything, it would be I used to like not want to get in a relationship because I I hated the breakups, I hated the the heartbreak and all that stuff. No one likes and, that stuff. Yeah, and I probably have a phobia of a fear of divorce, but I don't have a fear of, a fear of success in a wonderful relationship. It's just going to take a special woman to uh, to deal with me, and it's going to take uh, a special woman for me to deal with her. So speaking of that special kind of woman. I think I found my kind of woman. I came across this story. Now, she may be a little young for me, but there was a story in the, in the uh, internet. A 19-year-old ex-cheerleader, she's now an Air Force Security Forces sniper. She was watching a road that led to a NATO military base. She observed a man digging by the road. She engaged the target, which in military terms means she sighted down on him. Right. She, she shot him. Okay. It boom. turned out. Yeah, boom. Um, more power to her. It turned out he was a bomb maker for the Taliban. He was burying an IED bomb that right. was set to be detonated when a U.S. patrol would walk by 30 minutes later, and it would have probably killed and wounded several of the soldiers. Now, here's the key thing. The shot she late, she shot off, and my brother Brian, who uh, was SWAT team and everything else, I mean, he was a sniper on SWAT team. He has a penny that he shot right through the center at 100 yards, Wow, which, which is an amazing shot. That's incredible. And I, got to, I forgot to tell Tommy, he also had a quote. He said he never broke up a bar fight because people were smoking marijuana. <laughs> so I'll never forget that. It always cracks me up when he says that. Um, the interesting fact about the story is the shot she got off, she shot him as he was bent over burying the bomb. The shot went through his butt into the Ooh. bomb, detonated, and he was blown to several pieces. And the Air Force made a motivational per, uh, poster of her. Here's the thing. The shot was 725 yards. That's seven football fields plus 25 yards. Oh, my so, God. That's like... And, and I'm looking at a picture of her right now as I'm talking to you, and she's just, she's beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful. Maybe that's my kind of woman. <laughs> I, I guess. That. Don't piss her off, though, Bruce. Hey, that's okay. You know, it makes for some fun uh, makeup love, shall we say. Right. Yeah. But now, to get down to another thing. You talk about women in the armed forces. There was another stat that I was reading, too. This is horrible, TJ. One in three women are molested in our U.S. armed forces. That's ridiculous. If we can't protect our women from our men in the armed forces, then why should they be even join and protect us? I really have a problem with that. I still have an issue with women being on the front lines. I, you know, women doing certain jobs that men's do, and I know I could catch a lot of flack about that because there are women out there. Christian Cyborg, suit up right now. I put you on the front line tomorrow morning. But <laughs> you know, the average woman, it's like it's like when I see female police officers that are five feet one inch. I all respect. I mean, tremendous respect that they're that they're wearing the uniform. And they've done what they've done. But if you're talking to a six two, two hundred twenty pound, crazy man on PCP, I mean, just how much can this woman possibly do? But I think that's a that's a an argument. Technique that, over strength, Bruce. Technique over strength. Well, you and I both not know that, and I agree. But the street is a lot different. That's true. It's not the cage. Than, than the mats of the dojo or the cages of the octagon. Okay, I'll be the first one to say that. So all respect to her, all respect to our women in the armed forces. Be safe, be happy. But boy, this woman, what a role model. Definitely love to, I would love to get her on the show and talk about that shot. And uh, then we go I'm into I'm scared another, of her already. <laughs> she's too pretty, to be, too pretty to be scared of. I find this woman very interesting. And if she's listening, I want to go out with you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, 
the pilots. Did you read this where these jet, the jetliner overshot its destination by 150 miles? That destination and, was Minneapolis-St. Paul. Well, then you did read it because you're there. And they claimed they were losing their laptops, checking their flight schedules. They lost track of time. I can't fathom. I mean, no, they fell asleep. I, if you ask me. Well, that's that's the question. Radio silence for over an hour. Doesn't make sense to me. They said they Doesn't. were in a debate too about airport policy. It sounds to me like they got down and thought about every single excuse they could possibly make, and they're making them. I, I at this point, I do realize one thing, TJ. I don't know if I would make a good airline pilot, uh, pilot because I play too much online poker, and if I can have my laptop in the cockpit and I'm on a six-hour flight, I'm hitting a couple sit and goes at full tilt. Oh, you have to. You got. To. <laughs> I got to. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's. I, I, I used to have a very big fear of flying, Bruce. And uh, the the way I got over it, obviously, was just flying a whole bunch, but also going through some turbulent weather. Mm-hmm. But one thing that, that still does scare me is when you fly, whether you're in coach, business class, you know, anywhere on that plane, you have no say over what happens. And uh, stuff like this where pilots just, you know, even if they weren't asleep, even if they just weren't paying attention, makes me a little more nervous. But, uh, you know, mo- most of the pilots, I think that uh, I've – had fly me places are, are very good, and I hope they their their track record uh, stays good. Because yeah, I I hope it does too. It's still one of the safest ways to travel. I'm always yeah. feel very secure when I'm in a plane. Um, uh, helicopters are another story. I get a little wary in helicopters in, in, for the first ten minutes, but then I'm like having a ball. But uh, and I told you I flew a helicopter, my friend's helicopter over Malibu, but I gave him the stick back after about ten minutes because I was sweating like a pig. I mean, oh, yeah. I, it's 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 a weird feeling. But uh, I, I'm very safe in planes. I have a lot of respect for pilots, but this just doesn't stand with me. There's something something wrong in Denmark here. Now, I, I'm going to talk a little negative here for a second. got to bring up a couple of stories, which really bothers me. You know how much I, I, I've stated before, I'm, I will do anything for the kids, okay? whether it's Make-A-Wish Foundation for the sick kids to uh, just making sure that our children have great role models and, and people to uh, give them the proper teachings in life and everything else, because no matter how you cut it, the children are our future. I read this other article where 52 children were recovered, 60 alleged child pimps were arrested in a crackdown, you know, because the children were in child prostitution. A number, more than 690 people in all were arrested on state and local charges in a major sweep. This is a big problem. People out there have got to make sure you watch your children. I think uh, there's places where, you know, children are abducted. Just like when you read about the young girls in this country and down in Mexico being abducted and putting into the sex slave trade. Uh, this is where, you know, we should be focusing along with a lot of areas of focus and feeding the starving people in this country and helping people out. This country has a lot of problems that we need to focus on, and that's one of the reasons why I just have a hard time when we spend so much time and effort helping everybody outside of us instead of concentrating on the issues at hand that we deal with here. So for those of you out there with your children, I read these stories. It breaks my heart. Please take care of your kids. Protect your children. Teach them right. Grow up strong. Grow up straight. They're the future of our, of our world. You know, and this dates back to that other story we read where that guy kidnapped that girl and had two children by her. Yeah, you know, you really can't comment. It's no. just, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Then we go on to another story that witnesses were watching for two hours outside uh, a California high school in Rich, called Richmond High School. Okay, she was gang raped outside her high school homecoming dance with a number of people watching as this poor woman was raped over and over again by six men. If you ask me, the witnesses should be thrown in jail, too. That 
that was the next thing out of my mind, next thing out of my mouth. I mean, it's not just about the, the, the rapists. I mean, my feeling is, you know, what was there, six of them? Okay, great. 38 snub nose, 38, six bullets. I have, I have the way to deal with this. But the bo- <laughs> I know I'm going to get flat on that. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just have no. I have no. That's your opinion. I mean, if, the, if that's how yeah. you feel, I, I don't think it needs to be that harsh. But uh, no, I, I'm just making a point. I'm know. not saying do that. I mean, everybody has to go to jail and serve yeah. their thing. I'm just trying I, to I, make I, a horrific point here. I just think Bruce and I've always thought this that there should be some sort of good Samaritan law in effect. If if you can do something and you don't, and it um, you know prevents help to someone like this or prevents saving a life or something along those lines, um, you should be fined and penalized for it. Yeah, I've had a couple instances in the past where I've witnessed men really whopping around a woman, and I did what I had to do to, to help the girl. And one time I got in trouble. I almost got arrested by the police, and I was the one that came to the for scene. For doing the right thing, yes. Yeah, for doing, doing the right thing. You know, so it's – you just don't think in those situations. But again, another situation hard to comment on. Sorry to get the tail end of the show with these kind of things going on, but I just was really horrified by these two stories, and this is a lifestyle show, so I have a right to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Now, we're going to close the show here, but I'm very excited because it looks like next week we're going to have Rowdy Roddy Piper on the show. That's true. Hot Rod. Hot Rod. Uh, He's on a show called Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm going to be confirming this, but he wants to be on the show. I just got the word last night from his his manager, and uh, she said he really wants to be on, so we're going to have him on. And I'm excited about that. Lots to talk to Roddy Roddy. I have tons of questions about him. Perfect. Then I won't have to do all the talking next week, TJ. I really appreciate that. (laughs) But, of course, with with Tommy Chong, I didn't have to do all the talking, did I? (laughs) No. Just ask a couple questions. He's like Nick Diaz. Oh, wait, wait. There's a correlation in there somewhere, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, but it's green, and we all know, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, listen, did you watch Dexter? No. Bruce, it's such a sad state of affairs. Sunday, I was coming back from L.A. Some weather was bad in Minneapolis. I was stuck in Denver for five hours. I only got three hours of sleep the night before. And, uh, yeah, by the time I got home, it was uh, I shoved a bowl of tortellini in my, in my mouth, and I fell asleep. I, I like how you put that. I shoved a bowl of tortellini in my mouth. Did it have cheese or meat inside? Cheese. Wrong thing to eat before you go to bed, but it sure sounds so damn good. Oh, it was so good. I slept like Uh, a baby. Oh, sounds great. Well, I will tell you that next week um, I will not be able to do the show on Tuesday. I'm sorry to say I am going to be uh, flying to Las Vegas. I am going to be on a very, very popular televised poker show, which will be aired in about four months. I cannot say the title at this time, but I'll be playing uh, three of the World Series of Poker Champions and Winner Takes All which is well over $100,000. And I just hope that the listeners out there and you, TJ, wish me a lot of luck. But there is a good side to this because we're going to have a special time. We are going to be on Monday. It's time will be on next Monday at 3.30 Pacific time, 6.30 Eastern time. So we will have its time on. I don't ever want to miss a week with our radio show again. And thank you, TJ, for making the time for me. So next Monday, we're back. We're happening. Anything else you want to talk about before we go? I don't think so. I think we're good. I think we're good, too. Lots of UFC action this week. Go to my site at BufferZone.net. i got a blog up about UFC 104, 
and other items. I'm also posting my favorite poker hands of the week in the blog now. Uh, a lot of new videos on there. The site's really picking up. The traffic is really just increasing hugely. And I welcome everybody. And if you want to contact me and write me, you can write me through my site. And I do get back to everybody, but it just might take me a week or two depending upon my travel schedule. So this is Bruce Buffer, my associate, TJ DeSantis. As always, I wish the best for everybody, the best that life has to offer, all the success, all the happiness, all the health. See you in a week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Cheers. The preceding show is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.